Hello, and it's Friday again, here on Practicing English, and so I'm continuing with my book, The Tudor Conspiracy, and we're on chapter 10. And it's very exciting, isn't it? The mysterious Jane woman shot at Isabel and Philip while they were in the church, and they ran for their lives. They escaped on a little rowing boat across the River Avon. So today I'm continuing with Chapter 10. Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilbra and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels or for those students who just want to improve their general English. For transcripts of these podcasts, please go to practicingenglish.com. Hello again, and before I start the chapter, as usual, I'll give you four words which you will hear while you are listening, and your task is to identify the context in which they are used. So, where, when, why, or who do these words happen to? The first word is Breeze, B-R-E-E-Z-E, and that means a gentle wind, a gentle wind. The breeze blowing through the trees, for example. And the next one is broad, spelt B-R-O-A-D, and that's another word for wide. In other words, the opposite of narrow. And the next word is furnish. This is a verb, F-U-R-N-I-S-H. And to furnish means put in furniture in a house. But if we say something is furnished, we're talking about the type of furniture in that room. Furnished. And the last one is fear. F-E-A-R, which means to feel frightened. And there is another verb here, to be gripped by fear. So if you are gripped by fear, you are suddenly very frightened. And there's a question as well. And the question is, what did Philip give Isabel in the hall of the guest house? I'll repeat that. What did Philip give Isabel in the hall of the guest house? Okay, so let's carry on with the story. The Tudor Conspiracy by M. A. Bilber. This recording is copyright. Chapter 10. Fugitives Philip slowed down his rowing 
then he stopped altogether. But the boat drifted along by itself, carried by the current and the breeze. Philip was sitting opposite Isabel and looking straight at her. How are you? he asked. I'm okay, thanks, Isabel answered. But her voice was quiet and she was shaking slightly. I don't believe what just happened to us in there, said Philip, his face full of worry. That woman tried to kill us. She's mad. She was obviously not representing the Bodleian Library. She wanted that quarto pretty badly. Well, she's got it now, said Isabel, and she lifted her hands to show they were empty. I dropped it when I ran. But, I mean, it doesn't matter, does it? said Philip. It's worthless, isn't it? It was just a nice souvenir for you. That's all. Of course the quarto isn't important, said Isabel. There is something much worse. What do you mean? Philip said. His face was grey under the cloudy sky. Do you remember the moment she shot at that man, the one who came into the church? asked Isabel. Her dark eyes now looked heavy and tired. Well, yes, of course. He didn't see her, did he? He didn't see that awful woman. Isabel could not bring herself to say her name. That woman was standing partially hidden behind the pillar. I don't think he saw her at all. He only saw us as we ran out of the church. And there she was, standing calmly among those people on the bank, as if, as if... Isabel was almost crying. As if she hadn't done anything, interrupted Philip slowly. As if we had shot the head of the Shakespeare memorial. As if we had shot that man. Do you know what this means? said Isabel, now with tears in her eyes. We can't go to the police, repeated Isabel. Exactly. Then she leant forwards in the boat to make her point clearer. We're refugees, Philip. We're refugees. A look of confusion crossed Philip's face. What? We're what? There was a long pause, and then he said, almost with a smile on his face, Oh, we're fugitives. You mean we're fugitives? Yes, that, fugitives, said Isabel, correcting herself. Despite the tension, she also saw the humour, and Philip saw her trying to hide a smile. Like Bonnie and Clyde, eh? he said. His smile was broader now, pleased with his analogy. And now we've stolen a boat too, he added. Stop being silly, Philip, shouted Isabel in the middle of the river. This is serious. Her voice was so loud that some swans feeding nearby raised their heads in curiosity 
But now, far from Stratford-upon-Avon, there was nobody on the river-bank to hear her. Philip picked up the oars again and started to row, without knowing where he was going. He rowed downstream in silence for half an hour, at least. Then suddenly, Isabel pointed to the other side of the river. There was the roof of a building above some trees. Look, she said, a house. If there's a house, there must be a road. Isabel was not sure why she said this. She could not think of a plan. She was still in shock. It just seemed important to take some action. I'll row towards it, said Philip. Soon the little rowing boat bumped into the far bank. Philip got out first and offered his hand to help Isabel. She took it. As Isabel stepped out of the boat and onto the grass, she said now more calmly, You know something, Philip? You were great in there. In the church? No, I, I just reacted, that's all, said Philip. But he knew he was being modest. He had surprised himself at his own behaviour. Really? Isabel insisted. I thank you. You probably saved my life. Our lives. I didn't know what to do. You were very brave and clever too. And you thought of me. Muchísimas gracias, Felipe. She put her arm around his neck and kissed him on the cheek. They stood there like that for a while, both needing some human warmth and comfort after the brutal events of the afternoon. They then gently pulled away from each other. There was no embarrassment between them. Isabel noticed Philip was now looking down the river. She turned to look in the direction of his gaze. The boat's gone, he said. They both watched as the boat turned the circles in the dark water, drifting further and further downstream, with both oars still inside. Maybe it's a good thing. Right, said Isabel. Now nobody can find us. The house that Isabel had seen was, in fact, a hotel or a guest house, which is a private house that offers accommodation. The building was made of the same beige-coloured stone, and it had a grey slate roof with tall chimneys. All around the building there were trees and gardens, already full of spring flowers. The place was very peaceful, and the only sound was the wind blowing through the treetops and the melodic sound of a bird. Isabel recognised it as a blackbird. It sang like the ones in Seville. Shall we go in and ask if they have a couple of rooms? asked Philip. We can at least have a think about what to do next. Yes, let's, answered Isabel. She looked up at the grey cover of clouds above. Not only that, 
It looks like rain. They had to walk around to the front of the house and approach the main doors by walking down a wide gravel drive. There was just one car parked next to the house. They went in. The feel of English country houses was something Isabel loved. There was a quietness, a peaceful stillness about them. This was no exception. The large hall was furnished with a huge oak table and a few rustic-looking chairs of the same colour. Heavy wooden beams crossed the ceiling. There was a pleasant smell of wood polish, and the only sound was the ticking of a large grandfather clock that stood in the corner. Suddenly a door opened quickly, and a handsome woman in her forties walked in. Hello, may I help you? she said brightly. Uh, yes, please, said Philip. We were wondering if you had two single rooms available. Yes, certainly, said the woman. How long would it be for? Just one night, said Isabel. The woman took down a diary from a shelf and examined it. Yes, that would be fine. We're fairly quiet at the moment. Will you be wanting breakfast? We do a very good breakfast. Bacon, fresh farm eggs, garden mushrooms, sun-dried tomatoes, and the sausages are the butcher's speciality. Before Isabel could answer, Philip said, Oh, yes, that sounds great. Well, continued the woman cheerfully, that'd be £40 per room with breakfast. Does that sound okay? Yes, fine, answered Philip. Isabel remembered the £50 note she had left in the restaurant and suddenly regretted being in such a hurry. Philip must have read her thoughts. He opened his wallet and took out a fifty-pound note. Oh, you don't have to pay now, said the woman quickly. Tomorrow will be fine. Tomorrow, yes, right, said Philip. Actually, this belongs to my associate. I'm just returning it to her. He winked at Isabel as he handed her the note. You left this on the restaurant table. Would you like to sign the guest book? said the woman, opening a large book on the oak table. Philip took the pen and signed. Then Isabel took the same pen and leant forward to sign too. She immediately noticed what Philip had written. Philip Habsburg. Isabel smiled and without hesitation began to write underneath, Elizabeth. She was about to add the surname Tudor, when the only other entry in the book for the same day caught her eye. She stared at the name, and a sensation of fear such as she had experienced in the church that afternoon gripped her. Isabel paused and then wrote in the surname Smith. Here are your keys, said the woman, 
giving each of them a very small key on a very large stick. My name's Julie. You're both upstairs, rooms 21 and 22. Do you have any luggage? Uh, it's in the town, said Philip. In the car. We walked here. We'll bring it later. A pause. That's fine, said Julie. If you want to get a bus back into town, it just takes ten minutes. They leave every fifteen minutes from just over the road. Well, you're alone in the guest house except for one other guest, so it should be nice and quiet. Breakfast is from eight till nine. If you need anything, I'll be around. Just ring the bell. Welcome to Grey Gables. And enjoy your stay. Julie pressed her hands together and gave Philip and Isabel a big welcoming smile. As they were both walking towards the stairs, Isabel turned back suddenly. The smile had gone from Julie's face, and she looked at Isabel with a hard stare. And that's the end of chapter 10. Until next Friday, goodbye for now. Thank you.